Right, good morning. How are we doing today? Good. Didn't think I was going to ask, did you? Right. What a wonderful morning. Isn't it good to celebrate communion together? There were two two ordinances prescribed to the early church, and uh, only two really, and baptism and communion. And uh, when we celebrate baptism together, it's a wonderful time as family. And uh, this morning, as we've done with communion, isn't it good to remember, of course, what Jesus has done for us? I've been looking back at the, uh, at the start of, of the year, the kind of January, February messages that we often bring and, and share as church community. And so often, they are centred around our own kind of personal goals and aspirations and our dreams for the year and setting ourselves up personally to to make the year a good year. And I remember last year, I was just looking back at my notes, and we, we had a message that was called Don't Waste This Year. But as I was thinking about 2014, I wanted to kind of depersonalise it a little bit and make it more about community, about us and about God's people, about us as family. And so looking at the start of the year in terms of the church. And I was thinking about, well, what is the church? You know, I mean, what is the church? Not what is the church to me, because if, if I ask that question, I kind of get very subjective. And then if my criteria for church is not uh, not met or realised, I become dissatisfied. So not what is church to me, but what is the church? And we have we have lots of, sources from where we get our perception and our view of church, maybe from family, from kind of heritage and parents, uh, maybe from um, experiences we've had, some of them may have been good, some may have been bad, some may have been strange, um, but we, we gauge our perception of church from many different things, what we see on TV, what other people tell us. And I, I thought it'd be just good to go back through the New Testament and have a look at what the New Testament says when it talks about about church. And one thing that the church is not, it doesn't seem to be an organisation. It doesn't seem to be an institution. In fact, when the New Testament talks about church, it talks it uses words that are, are more organic or um, anim, animate. Is that a word? Um, yeah, Graham, you're an ex-vet. You'd know animate here. Yeah. Okay, um, words that that kind of have life, like the, the, for example, the New Testament writers use the use the picture of a bride, where of course the, the, it's it's romance, it's love, it's sacrifice, it's it's a bride, it's of course it's a bridegroom waiting for a, for for a bride, uh, or a bride waiting for a bride. Well, they both wait for each other, don't they? Um, but there's there's a kind of sense of of expectation, you know, of of something good that's happening, and a word that's full of life, and a word that's full of love and romance, and 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 sacrifice, laying a life down for something for someone else. Uses the word uh, body, um, parts of a body that are interdependent, I rely on each other, a body that has life within itself. So the, so the New Testament writers seem to use words that are more to do with uh, the, the organic than they are to do with the organisational and the structural and the, the kind of institutional, although that is part of where we, we have worked through in terms of church through the centuries. But what is church? That's a very good question. I think it's a good question for us to consider at the start of the year. What did Jesus have in mind when he said of Peter that upon him he was going to build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it? And what is this life-changing, this world-changing entity, this, this organism that, that, that basically from a few men and women 2,000 years ago, unskilled, unschooled, poor people who basically turned this world upside down? So what is this entity that we call the church? I don't know how many of you have read books by um, N.T. Wright, Tom Wright, some of you. Um, Simply Christian, Surprised by Hope, and his latest one, one of his latest, When God Became King, which I'm kind of just working through at the moment. But in Surprised by Hope, uh, Tom Wright 
says that there are three things that define the church. He says that there is, there is worship, there is fellowship, and there is mission. And if we, if we go back to Acts chapter 2, we can see that the, it mentions that the believers uh, devoted themselves to four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, uh, to fellowship, to uh, the daily meal, which was communion, and to prayer. And as I've been reading through the book of Acts and back through the epistles, there are really four things, some of which are kind of involved in that Acts 2 um, list of the things that the believers devoted themselves to. But there are four qualities that I, that I, I kind of think define the early church. Now, other people may have different ideas, but I want to throw these at you this morning and, and just see what you think. Because... I, I think that when, when the early church grabbed hold of these things and they, they almost came natural to them out of the life of, of what they'd experienced with Jesus and his, his teaching, especially his last days with them, that kind of set them on fire to, to not only have their own lives radically changed, but to turn upside down the culture that they lived in and, and actually began a foundation that, that changed our world. And so I think it's really important that we look at the four things that I believe defined the early church and see how they relate to us today. The first one is that they, they loved each other. They really just, they, they loved each other. Acts 2 talks about how they, they sold possessions and they pulled their resources. They just gave themselves up for each other. They loved each other to the extent of their, of their own good and their own needs. No one was lacking. And Tertullian, the early Christian writer, quotes a pagan official who says about the early Christians, he says, look how much they just love each other. And so they were defined by the, even by the non-believers, they were defined by this incredible fact that in a a selfish world, in a selfish culture that was, um, I guess, poor in many ways, and so people had to look after themselves. They sacrificed themselves in their own um, kind of resources for the good of the community. They loved each other. That's the first point. The second point is is what we've just done this morning, this morning in communion, is that they had to remember Jesus. There was something in them. There was something about the life that they had shared with Jesus. They, I mean, it was only in recent months and years that he had this this creator of the universe and and human form had walked amongst them and and brought a truth that had changed their lives. And they could clearly remember the resurrection and the ascension. And so they they went about remembering. It was so important. It was ingrained in them to remember him and to what he had done. So remembering Jesus was important. And in fact, um, remembering Jesus was so linked with, with loving each other that if a relationship with another brother or sister had been damaged, they had to resolve the relationship before they took the communion. In other words, if there was no reconciliation, uh, there was no communion. The third quality that I believe defined the early church was this. They just had to get the message out. Nothing was going to stop them. Nothing was going to... Prison didn't stop them. Hardship didn't stop them. Persecution didn't stop them. There was something about their changed life and this this new kingdom that they embraced so much that even when they even after Stephen's perse- persecu- uh, Stephen stoning, you remember in the start of end of Acts seven, start of chapter eight, that the church was dispersed, but they went about getting the message out even with greater fervor. Persecution didn't stop them. They had to get the message out. They were so impacted by the creator of the universe and so powerfully affected by the life that had been changed that they just had to get the message out. The fourth quality that seemed to define the early church was teaching or instruction. And we know from Ephesians 4 that the, that the saints were equipped for works of service. In fact, some people, specific roles were set aside, some people with particular giftings who were to teach and, and, of course, the elders were to teach as well. But there are a number of passages that also talked about the, the early believers teaching one another. And so even though the, there was a kind of 
I don't know if it was a pulpit and a, or a platform, but there was a teaching in terms of a, a monologue, but there was also a lot of teaching where it was counseling amongst one another. And, and the wisdom of the believer was imparted to those who needed help in certain levels. So uh, the one another is, a, is an important aspect of instruction and counseling. Instruction on how to live well together and how to effectively live this new kingdom life was incredibly important. There was never a lost opportunity, even from the insides of a prison. And in order for community to work well, of course, there was correction. So if uh, those who were offended or those who were damaged, um, and though they damaged the, the beauty of, of the community, there was correction in order to bring uh, the wholeness about again. So I'd like us to uh, perhaps dig into these four aspects a little bit this morning. And so what we're going to do is we're going to be something a bit different. I'd like, um, I'd like us to break up into, into groups for a start. We're going to have splitters down here, so this will be one side. And we've got pieces of paper. Can we just have someone to hand out those or several people to hand out those bits of paper? So what I'd like you to do is to, to split into groups of maybe four to six, okay? And I want you to... Uh, appoint a scribe, okay? Appoint a, a person who's going to write some notes down and, and no, don't appoint a Pharisee, just a scribe will be fine. Um, appoint a scribe, we'll take some notes down and then report back to us on behalf of the group. So get into groups of four to six. If, if you're new, if you're a visitor here, just just um, hang loose if you kind of don't want to get involved in this and you're just, just um, sit back a bit, that's fine. Groups of four to six, you might just need to turn around and and this side here, on the pieces of paper that are being handed out, Joram, am I kidding? Am I keeping you up? Sorry, <laughs> I just had to say that. This side here will deal with questions one and two. Okay, questions one and two for this side, and over here, your groups of four to six will deal with questions three and four. Okay. You've got um, about seven minutes. Okay. That's it. Right, number, number one, first question. <clears throat> the loving one another. What are some practical examples? What we're going to do here is that Viv and, and Joel are going to work in unison and very, very quickly collate these major points and kind of say, try and be succinct when you come back and Viv and Joel will, will, will deal with it and it'll go on the screen straight away. That is the marvels of technology, especially when Joel's involved. So what are some of the practical examples of loving one another? This, this, uh, who are some of your groups here? And your scribes? Are, uh, sharing resources, okay, cool, thank you. Serving, Serving. yep. Blessing with gifts, yep. Will you describe in that group? Okay, yeah. Mhm. Mm are we um? Are we on stream there? Preferring one another? Widows and orphans? Look, we're only at number one, and now you're making it difficult for us, do you? <laughs> okay, we got that. Prefer F next, that's it, yeah. And then up there, that's cool. Widows and orphans? Yep. Right, any more? Any more from number one? Visiting the sick? Yep. Can you break that down into one word? <laughs> Preferring others? Following up on, following up, uh, keeping your word, following up on people's... Okay, yep. Mm. Counseling, counseling, and admonishing one another. 
Take that. Sorry? Blonde terms. Okay. Um, is it? Okay. Yep. Well, it's not what, it's not what the vet says. Sharing, sharing meals. Have we got enough for that now? But that gives it, it gives us an idea, doesn't it? Oh. Sorry, praying for one another. Yeah. All right. Number the second uh, question of um, the first one there for CFUH. What should loving each other look like? <clears throat> All of the above. Is that blonde enough terms, dear? For cool. Okay. Pardon? Sure, cool. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and and you can tell she's back at school as well. <coughs> Praise God for that. Um Yep. Sorry? Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, coffee. Yep. Talk. Yep, sharing together. Just living life together, really, isn't it? Yeah. Caring for the elderly. Yep. Was it in the second? Okay, growing in healthy relationships. Okay, can we move on? Number C. That is, I mean, there are some good. I'm just going to keep keep the ball rolling. That's all. What should happen when Christians or the church family love one another? What should be the result of that? Are you are you the are you the scribe? Okay, you are. Unity. Yep. Growth. Yep. Visible. Witness. Can you? You mean the? the yeah, and the the outside. Our world sees that and and likes what they see. Okay, yeah, good, thanks, Elizabeth. Yep. That's good, isn't it? Some good stuff in there. All right, can we hit number two? Uh, the early church regularly remembered Jesus and what he had done. In what ways did they do this? Communion? Yep. <laughs> eating, eating together, meeting together. In fact, the communion was the meal, wasn't it, really? And um, they... Yep, cool. Teaching, yeah, okay. Praying together. Worshipping, who said that? Yeah, Elizabeth, yep, good, worshipping, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm, all right, what? Performing the miraculous, yep. And what what do we do that reminds us of Jesus? Read the Bible. Yep. Someone say communion. Okay, of course. All right. Are we are we keeping? What could we do? What could we do better? Number three there. <laughs> Can you explain that a wee bit? What could, what what are those things? That, how could we do some of those better? Okay. Cool. Yep. Kevin. 
Okay. So people are more aware of where we're at and what's, okay. Okay, thank you, the side, for numbers one and two, your contribution. Now, questions three and four. The early church influenced their community and the wider world. List some of the effective ways the early church influenced their world. How did they influence their world? Great, cool. You know, if I, if I, um, Bruce might be able to, Bruce might be able to correct me here, but I think of the 30 or 35 times that miracles are mentioned in the book of Acts, I think there was only once where it was in the confines of what we would call church. Generally, it was in the, the marketplace, in the outside world. And what other? Uh, paraphrase. Um, sorry? Yeah, fearless evangelism. That's a good one. Mark. Yeah. They, they served well, didn't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. On your first point, if you, you can you just say your first point again? Did you you grab that, honey? Okay, and that comes back to what one of the, one of the results of actually loving one another is that the 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 culture around sees this this family, this type of community, and wants to be part of it. You know, so. That's an incredible way of influencing um, um, a, a culture, a society, especially one that's built on selfishness and, and kind of uh, being alone and individuality and all that. Um, okay, how could, how could CFUH influence the city of Upper Hutt more effectively? Got that? Yep, Mark. Okay, do something new and different. Be innovative in terms of of expressing the love of Christ in a way that's not done. Mm-hmm. Yep, Stuart. Mm-hmm. Heard of it? Yep. Okay, praying. Yep. <coughs> yep. Cool. Thanks, Ava. Cool. Right, number four. Let's move on. on. Instruction and teaching, what were important part of the early church? What do you think this looked like in the early church? I talked a bit about that before, so just very briefly. Um, instruction and teaching, what did that look like? Sorry? Hey, your number's one and two, all right? Okay. <laughs> Okay, yeah, testimony, yep, what God had done in their lives, yep, yep. Writing of letters, yep, yeah, true. And we reap the benefit of that today, don't we? Because of Paul's prison experiences, we have the letters that we do that continually feed life into us. Yeah, Mark. Mm-hmm. 
I can. Cool. Yes. Yep. Thanks, Dave. What does Ephesians four twelve uses the phrase equipping the saints for works of service? What does that what does this mean? What have you come up with for that one? Equipping the saints for works of service, what does it look like? What does it mean? For us today. Mm-hmm. Here you go again. <laughs> Got on your pip. <laughs> okay. Motivation, instruction and tools. Yep. Sarah. That as a as a found, as a real deep foundation, yeah, to, yeah, that's good, very good, yeah. Filling the Holy Spirit, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's right, yep. <clears throat> Discipling people, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think you're right, Dad. I think the the moving of the Spirit and the, the empowering of the Spirit in church life is the fundamental key. But what I'm what I'm wondering and this is just me thinking here, so please take it for what it is, that the Spirit of God can move in a sovereign way, but I wonder if once we have the basics and the fundamentals right and the we define who we are, that creates an environment where the Spirit of God can move in an even more powerful way. Do you know what I mean? So that when we, um, and we'll get to this in a minute with a little illustration I've got, but when we've got the basics right, when we really understand who we are and what God has called us to do, that then the Spirit of God can move through us and bring change uh, to to our own community, but also to the wider world. So, And I agree. I agree with you, Yannicka. I think one of the, one of the, one of the traps of our culture, though, is that we, we often look at the Holy Spirit's work as being. And I'm not saying this is fundamentally all of us, but it's because of our makeup that when we look at the power of the Holy Spirit, it becomes a very personal thing, and and it becomes me orientated. When the work of the Holy Spirit is actually working through me. Can I get to that in a minute? Get working through me and empowering through me and, and affecting and influencing a wider world as well. So I agree with you. We need both. We need both, but we do have to put things in place to actually make sure that we're, we're building something that that is going to carry on with the foundation that's been laid for us from for 2,000 years. Um, have we finished that? Because I'm going to come, I'm gonna get, we're just going to hit back to what Yannicka said in a minute, actually. Um, I think we've done that, haven't we? That was good. Thanks for being involved there. So I believe that, that one of the reasons we, um, we have a church today that is alive and vibrant, not just our church, but the church, is because the early church were faithful to these four defining factors and the Spirit of God worked through them in such a way that their own lives and their surrounding world were changed. If 
if these um, four qualities or these four defining points, they could be like the four pillars of a church or four four legs of a table, if you like. And I've got a I've got a table here. Um, now, it's a nice mahogany table with um, rimu legs, but you can see that it's not. In fact, the um, the use of the table is jeopardised because the legs are, are kind of at different lengths. You know, honey, did I mention this to you? No. Um, so we've got a table that's pretty useless, really. And and what I'm, I really believe that the the four the four factors we're looking at, the four defining points. I'm just shifting this so that you guys can see, are very much like the legs of a table. Okay. And that if if what we build, if we kind of, if we emphasise one thing at the expense of the others, we have a table that does not operate properly, okay, and it can't do what it's supposed to do. In other words, if we, if if, if we are a church that that say say the church tries hard and puts a lot of effort into getting the message out, and it's got a really strong leg there, and yet it doesn't it doesn't really love and care for one another and and relationships are broken down it becomes unstable and it, it can't really operate as it's supposed to operate what say the church is is really um really heavy on on teaching and and correcting people and making sure that people live right but they and that's a really strong leg but then they don't really um they've forgotten how to worship They've forgotten what Jesus has done, and they don't they don't revel in that, and they don't remember Him like they should. And once again, that becomes a table that's unstable. What say we have a we have a table or a or a church? Sorry, that's that's um, that's that kind of love it loves one another very well, and and they do a lot of they 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 worship well and they love well, but they don't but they but they fail to get the message out and they fail to really express the the kingdom news to their outside world once again we have a we have a table that's kind of lopsided and doesn't function as it's supposed to function and and i really believe that for a church to do well it needs to have real strength in those four qualities now if if you just feel under if you if, if you just Look and feel under your seats, some of all of you, because you might find a leg there, okay? You'll find an extension for a Remu leg under your seat. Have a look under your seats. Some of you will find a leg. Has anybody found a leg? Anna's found a leg. Has anybody else? Ian Culver's found a leg. And Graham's found a leg. Okay, can you, can you guys come, come up here? Because what we're going to try and do is, is get some sense of balance back into this, into this table. Oh, you got the big one, and you'll have to wait for that. Oh, Graham. Okay. Yeah, we'll put that over there, eh? Oh, you can't. Oh, yeah, no, you. You want to stand on the stage and do that? Might be easy. You can put some weight on the drill then. Cool. Give him a hand. Didn't he do well? Right here, Ian. What have you got there? Oh, you got a um, you got a little one, haven't you? You got a little one. And once again, that's a um, that's a screw there, isn't it? Oh no, that, not that one. That's just one. Where are we? Oh, yep. That one there. That's it. Turn it around. Because yeah, this has got to go back in our lounge this afternoon. So there you go. Got to get it right. Cool. Table's looking better already. Now, Anna, sometimes the leg that is the shortest may require the most effort to put back on. So we've got another mechanism here for you. I'm glad it's you doing it. Eh? What are we doing here? Okay. Now, that there is a wind-up mechanism. You'd be right? 
you need to um, wind that up. Yeah, but it's got a ratch, so when it gets a bit further, yeah, keep it gets, that's cool, that's cool. She's doing, she's doing well. Yes. Now you can ratchet it and turn it back and... Oops. Hey. <laughs> no, you don't. You, you do it again. Pull it again. Yes. Very good. Very good. Give her a hand. Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, Anna. Thanks again. All right. There we have a table. Now, what, I'm, what this shows is that the life of the church, and for the church to grow, it comes from within. It comes from the people, and it's hidden amongst us. The life of the church, whether it's, whether it's to really see, see us loving each other and, and in a way that we haven't done before on a level, and we're very good at that. We're fantastic at that, but on a level that we haven't seen before, it comes from within. It comes from our own seats. And if we need to remember Jesus in a, in a more significant and a deeper way and need to have his... Um, you need to do that so it impacts our lives. That comes from within as well, and so does uh, the the influence that we have in our community, the life that we have within us that expresses to the outside world. The impetus for that comes from within. Now, back to what Janneke was saying. Jenny Harris last week mentioned a verse from Ephesians chapter 3. And we've been talking about this passage in eldership. In fact, Bruce McKevitt brought it up a few weeks ago. But as we've talked about it and as we've read it and pondered on it, we really believe that this is a passage for us for this year. It links into what we've been talking about this morning. And, and I want us to... We can actually look at the whole book of Ephesians on and off throughout the year and treat it as a bit of a theme. But at the end of chapter 3, after Paul has laid kind of a foundation uh, of, of his teaching here, before he gets into some practical stuff in chapter 4, he, he's praying for the church and, he, and he, well, he's, he's kind of verbalizing a prayer as he's writing. And he says that his words here, he says, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of the glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now you've got to remember that when Paul is writing this, it's not a personal letter to someone, it's actually a letter to the church. It's if someone is standing up here reading a letter out to us that's been written by someone who's had significant uh, you know, part to play in our history. And they're writing a letter out to us as a body. And I pray that, he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And here's the verse that we're going to be emphasizing this year and taking it as our key verse. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. It goes on, to him be glory in the church and to Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Another translation says this, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us by his spirit, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Do we want that? We do, don't we? 
We want the power of God working through us. And so whether it's the chicken or the egg or the uh, whatever comes first in terms of the four defining qualities of church life or the Spirit of God working within us, the Spirit of God will always be the, def- the, the empowering entity in order for, for... We could do all those things right. We could have four equal legs to how we build church, but if the Spirit of God is not here, we're just an organization. We're just an institution. But we're his body. We're his life on this planet. We're his life in this city. Bruce last week, I'm going to finish very shortly. Bruce last week talked on prayer and fasting, and I actually reckon it was one of the best messages I've ever heard on prayer. Not much you can pack in. I've only had 15 minutes, I suppose, on prayer to pack in, Bruce, but it was, was an excellent, I just love the perspective you took. And if you weren't here last week and you missed it, I'd encourage you to get on the net and, and, and listen to that. When, when Bruce was talking about, he said, of course, we've got this prayer and fasting week, and I spent Wednesday in my truck going to Opanaki and back, and I, was, I spent the whole day praying, basically. I could say it was fast and praying, but it wasn't. Um, no. <laughs> when the officer pulled me over, he said, you, you know, a bit fast. I said, no, I was praying, sir. He said, fast? I said, well, we did talk about fast. The Bible doesn't talk about slow and pray. It says fast and pray. No. <laughs> but I was praying, and I, was, I, I, I found myself praying for the church. And as I was praying for, for folk, a number of people came to mind, who came to my, came to my heart, really, in terms of, and I just want to share some encouraging words with you. And um, I'm going to do that now, all right, if you'll allow me. Ava Grindley, yes, you. When I was praying for you, I, I saw a warrior princess. I saw a woman with a sword, a very good fighter. Now, I've, I've, as, as I continue to pray, I wondered if there was something in your bloodline that goes right back where actually your, ancest, your, your woman ancestors were fighters, were warriors. And I, and I wondered that. And I went, when I came home, I, I googled Hungarian history and the, Mag- the Magyars, of course. And there was a, a, so were some very famous woman warriors. One, one was called Catalina. And it says of her, she was large and strong and she fought like an animal. And I thought, yeah, that's our Ava. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. God, God's put a sword in your hand, Okay. And God has called you to fight. Now, you're a beautiful young woman, but there is something in you that is feisty. Matt might. <laughs> He's raising his eyebrows there. But there is something in you that is the warrior woman. And you need to grab hold of that and, and, and allow that to be developed and nurtured in your life because you're going to be fighting in a spiritual realm. And, and in a spiritual realm, I mean also for people that you love and you care for, people that you know, but there's some spiritual implications that you're going to have to work through in order to, uh, for those people to come to where they need to be in God and you need to develop in you not just a, a niceness and a, a likable nature, but something that is the warrior as well. So I want to encourage you to do that. Seek out help, seek out counsel, seek out people who can help you in that way, but God has called you to fight. Okay? Ian Birdling. I was praying for you. You know, you're a, you're a, you're a great observer. And I, in, in some ways, you're like someone who has sat in the grandstands and looked at the game and observed and critiqued very well. And you are very good at that. You're an intelligent man. But God has also called you to be a participant. And you've gone through some stuff in your life. There's some history there which is setting you up for God to use you in the future. Now, I know you, you, you might think you're coming to the end of your days, but that's not the case. That's not the case at all. You've got many, many left. And God is going to take you from being an observer to being a participant, to being a contributor. And much of what you have in the past is actually enabling you and strengthening you and equipping you for what God's got ahead. But you've got to make the shift from out of the stands, from out of the stands to being on the field. 
And God has called you to be on the field. And the time is coming when that's going to uh, be placed upon you and you're going to see some good things happen. Can I encourage you in that? Yeti. Uh, yeah. yeah. When I looked at you, when I, when I was praying for you, I saw a young man who, who, I guess, transitions two cultures, and you do it very well, the Filipino and the, and the Kiwi. And in your future, God is going to ask you to transition two worlds, this natural world and the supernatural world. And you're going to learn some stuff and you're going to have to work on learning some stuff that's going to equip you for the supernatural. To be involved in things that you've looked at in the past and said, gee, I could never do that. But God wants to, to actually use you as a bridge between the natural world and the supernatural. Just as you have in, the, in, in kind of culturally the Filipino Kiwi thing. You, you, am I, am I, are you with me a bit there on that? Yeah, okay. So seek out some counsel and advice and wisdom on that, but God is going to use you for the, in the future. You've got to do some work yourself, but you're going to be supernaturally natural. In fact, the, the power of God is going to be working through your life in such a way that it's just a natural part of how you live. All right, you're going to see some, some miraculous things happen in your life. Charmaine, I've been building a pond at home. And the pond it takes water out of a little water course and then it goes into the pond, but then it's discharged back into the water course again. And the, the height of the pond where its inlet is and its outlet has been critical to, to actually make the thing work. And if the heights are wrong, if the position is, is wrong, it's, the water just because I had a very fine flow to get it in, and of course a fine flow to get it out. And so I had to work it out within just a, a, a few fractions of an inch. I, I want to, as I was praying, I, God, God showed me that you are, you're a great reservoir. You have a depth within you that he has filled from years gone by. And you are, you have... An uncanny, uncanny is that the right word? You have a really a neat way of, of actually dispersing what God has done for you into the lives of others, of seeing it flow through your life. What I want to encourage you to do is to make sure that you position yourself well, that the level is right. I mean, the book of Jude uses another analogy. It says, place yourself always within the boundaries where God's love can reach and bless you. This is the analogy of heights and water coming in, the power of God, the life of God flowing into your life and being at the right position to hold the capacity for as long as it needs to be held, but also to be able to disperse it. So take care of how you live so that you are a reservoir that is, that is receiving well, but is also giving well. Yeah, do you understand? Is, is that okay? Is Jenny Murdoch, Jenny here? She's not here. Andrew Conway? No, they must have known. I stayed away for the day. <laughs> All right. We need the power of God, don't we? We need the Spirit of God. We need to love each other. We need to care for one another and have a deep interest, a deep concern, and, and share life together on a way, on a level that we haven't done before. And we need to remember Jesus. We need to influence our world that God has placed us in. And we need, we need keys, we need tools, and we need help in that as well. We need the Spirit of God to help us, of course, be all he wants us to be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much. You're a wonderful God. You've done so much for us. And we've remembered that this morning as we've shared in the bread that signified your body that was broken and the grape juice of your blood that was shed. And Lord, we, we're here today. We're here today because 2,000 years ago you died for us and you rose again. 
and that we might live and that we might experience your power. And so, Lord, we ask that as we pray this week and as we fast this week, you would fill us all afresh, all afresh, Lord, with your Spirit, that we may know in no uncertain way the power of God working through us, revitalizing us, refreshing us. And even as Linda shared before, if there are people here who have been hounded, who have got stuff, Lord, may that, that, that's holding on to them. May this week, as we spend time with you, may that be released. And may we just know the freedom of the Spirit of God that you've caused us to live in. Help us, Lord, this week as we live for you, as we express your life in the world that you've placed us in. And Holy Spirit, pour your life into us as a congregation, we pray. And as we meet next week and as we come to enjoy fellowship together and remember you, Oh, Lord God, we just pray that as we walk in, these, walk in these doors that the Spirit of God would have walked with us and just envelop us and, and uh, just fill us all afresh and that we may know for sure that God, you're God who is with us and, and looking after us and empowering us for the days ahead. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this morning. Pray your blessing upon us until we meet again. Amen. Friends, um, I would just like to add to what's been said already this morning. Um, as I've been praying over the Christmas period, I really sense a very, very strong uh, um, you know, awakening to the words moving on. And I'd like to say again this morning, I said a little while ago when I was uh, sharing, I, I believe that we need to remember again that God's mercies are new every morning. Just as they are new every morning, they're also new every year. And I believe God is moving us on this year in a way that he hasn't before. And we need to, you know, sometimes uh, another great illustration that came to my mind as I was thinking about this that someone else uh, shared with me once. He was, he was uh, a gardener in a place where there was a lot of trees. And uh, at the autumn time, of course, the leaves would fall. And every day he would go out and he'd... He'd rake away the leaves, and the next day, the leaves would be there again. And he did this again and again, and finally he came to the point, he says, is there any point in raking up these leaves? But yes, one day he came there, he raked the leaves away, and there was no more leaves the next day. See, God's like that sometimes too. We, sometimes we go through the same things again and again and again, and we can start to think, you know, we've heard this all before, or we've done this all before, but there comes a time when he starts to move in a way that he hasn't before. And I believe with all of my heart, 2014 is going to be such a year. And I sense that not just in my own heart and the things that's going on in my own life, but for us as a congregation. So I encourage you, friends, please don't think the things that are said from the front here at the beginning of a year, which, as Trevor said earlier, happens time and time again. We talk about these such a things and say, we've heard it all before. God's mercies are new every morning. 2014 is a year for moving on. I believe we're going to hear those words again. And at the end of this year, you will look at what's happened this year and you will say, as a congregation, we have moved on. We have moved forward. God bless you.